0: If you once felt joy in finding and experiencing love, but now you feel mostly fear that you'll lose it, I suggest listening to the Love and Abuse podcast over at loveandabuse.com, and it will help you navigate the difficult relationship. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hey, this is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you learn to deal with difficult people and tackle life's challenges without compromising who you are. This show consists of my personal opinions and is meant for informational purposes only. Always seek a professional for your mental health and well-being. You know, it's funny, I was listening to one of my older episodes way back when, like this is episode number 547, I was listening to episode number 178, I made it, I don't know, 2015, maybe 2016, and um, man, I was a different person. I mean, not much different, but I could tell my personality was different. When I listened to my old episodes, it just seemed like I was um, on cloud nine or something. I was really positive. That was really uh, uh, energized. I was energetic. You know, I'm I'm listening to this and I'm thinking to myself, have I changed? Has something happened where I'm not so positive anymore or... Was I just on top of the world for some reason? I mean, I certainly wasn't making money back then. (laughs) I was very much uh, going through savings back then. I was um, doing what I could with the money I had. I mean, when I created the show, I, I made myself a financial runway so I could do the show for a number of, well, at the time I thought it was a year or two. But it ended up lasting about three years before I really had to buckle down and learn how to make money doing this show and doing the coaching work that I was doing. In fact, I wasn't even doing coaching at the beginning of the show. I started it later. I had a coaching career before, but then I did the podcast without the coaching and on and on. but I, I, I went through my financial runway. And by the time I met Asha, my fiance. I was at the lowest point of my finances. And so it's funny. I've told this story before, but I told her when we first met, it was an online dating site and we were about a thousand miles apart. I told her, hey, look, I just got a divorce. I'm broke. (laughs) My business isn't doing anything and I'm not sure what's going to happen. And oh, and I also live with my mom. I just got the divorce and uh, I was going through all these changes in my life. And I was still doing the show. I was still making things happen. You know, I know what I know. I want to share what I know. And it wasn't going to stop me. But uh, there were a lot of changes in my life back then. And I'm grateful for those changes. It absolutely needed to happen. My divorce needed to happen. I needed to get down to almost no money for me to understand that I need to make money. <laughs> I need to focus on that. And then I also needed to figure out what I wanted to do next with my life and who I wanted to spend it with. And back then, I was making the choice to be single. I was making the choice to stay single because I just got divorced and I realized that I needed to figure myself out, who I am without a, another person in my life, because I was always chasing my heart for the next one. And that's when I decided to, maybe that was when, maybe that was the time when I started to settle in and settle down and really ground. I started to feel more grounded in myself because I wasn't looking for the next best thing. I wasn't looking for the next thing to fulfill my life. I wasn't looking to um, find a source of happiness outside myself. That really changed my life at that time. I don't think that was the pivotal moment when my energy changed on the air, but I do think it was, I know it was a very pivotal moment for me personally, where I finally decided that my pursuit of meaning, my pursuit of purpose is to seek what's inside me and figure out. Who I am. And so I, I I feel like I've learned so much in my life, and I carried a lot of wisdom around with me. And which this is why I've created the podcast. I'm not saying I'm wise. <laughs> I just feel like I I have uh I have a lot to share, I have a lot to teach, and um I wanted to spread that, you know, spread my knowledge out into the world. Again, doesn't mean I am wise, it just means I think I can help others that may not know what I know. So that's the whole reason for this podcast is because, at least when I began it in 2013, it's because I saw people suffering. I saw people suffering with the, the stuff that I used to suffer from and I couldn't stand it. I mean, I couldn't stand it because it hurt me to see someone hurt. And I knew how to get through the stuff that I got through. I knew how to heal through the stuff that I've healed from, and I needed to give that information away. I needed to put it out into the world any way I could, and that's when creating a podcast came to mind, and so I just put it out there, and I still had my own stuff. I mean, the very beginning of this show, 2013, uh, 2014, so right after 2013 into 2014, I started going through my divorce. I know this is the Paul show right now. Sorry. (laughs) I'm just going to talk about myself for a little bit, but I I started going through a divorce and um, it was difficult because now here I am on the air teaching how to have good relationships, how to get through your stuff. And now my relationship's failing. What does that mean? What does that make me? Well, it, it, at the time, it made me uh, humble. <laughs> it made me realize that no matter how much I know, there's always more to know. And I knew that anyway, but uh, it really humbles you when you go through such a major challenge. And I've asked for these challenges in life. I've had other episodes where I've talked about this, where I've asked for specific challenges and as much as I did not want to have them, I knew I needed them. I've asked for the challenge of uh, like the one time I asked for a mystical experience. I said, I want a mystical experience. I want to feel that, I don't know, that light shining on me or that enlightening moment. I want to feel that I, (laughs) I put it out into the world. I asked, I want a mystical experience. And so that's when my car broke down in the desert, a thousand miles from home. (laughs) And, uh, I got one. I got that mystical experience, but it was life-changing. It was life-changing to the point. It, it turned me into someone I didn't know in a good way. It turned me into more of a minimalist. Like I, I wasn't so attached to things anymore. It, um, helped me pretty much cure anxiety because I've learned that when you reach the full state of panic and the top blows off, that uh, you reach a whole new level of being. And that's what happened to me in the desert in Arizona that day, is that my panic and anxiety reached their fullest extent. The, the, The anxiety reached its fullest extent and it had nowhere else to go. I was full of anxiety. I was full of panic how is it going to get any worse? Am I going to die? And then it felt like death because when I died, which is an emotional death, the anxiety created this emotional death. When that happened, I reached a whole new level of being. At least this is what it felt like inside of me. It felt like once it got worse, that I would certainly die. And it did get worse because I knew I was stuck in the desert with no way out. And um, it sounds weird when I say that I'm stuck in the desert. I mean, I was at a gas station, but I was in the desert (laughs) and uh, I had no way home. I had no money. I had to sell my car and all my my possessions for a bus ticket home, but I didn't want to do that. I mean, the whole story is in another episode. I won't go over it again, but uh, if you're interested, reach out to me and I'll I'll share that episode with you. But that was the peak of my anxiety, the peak of my panic. And I couldn't panic or feel any more anxious than I did at that moment. And then suddenly more anxiety and panic came and it was like the lid blew off and my anxiety and panic got so bad that I didn't feel it anymore. It just like it blew up. It wasn't there anymore. And that taught me the biggest lesson of my life is that no matter how bad it gets, once it gets so bad that the pressure builds to the point where it explodes and it's got nowhere else to go, you reach a new level, you reach a new state of being. And that changed my purpose, that changed my meaning, or at least the meaning that I was seeking in my life. This was before my divorce, but it was funny because I called my wife and she had already heard me panicking and and feeling this anxiety and and not knowing what to do. And she was trying to work with me and work things out and trying to get money and trying to get a tow truck or something like that. But none of it was working out. And um, she had talked to me a few times, heard me in this panic state, and then after The lid blew off. The pressure built up and exploded. I called her back and I was peaceful. And she said, what happened? What happened to you? You sound okay. You sound so different. You were freaking out and now you're not. I said, I know. I, I feel so calm. I feel so relaxed. I feel so much at peace now. And she asked me what happened. I said, I, I forget exactly what I said, but I, it, was, it was the point of panic that I couldn't take anymore. And then when I panicked more, there was nowhere else for the panic to go. It just exploded inside of me and the panic was over. It, it, I can't even explain it. It's a, it's a very nonverbal thing. But when it happened, it changed me. It changed who I am. And my point is that uh, I asked for it. (laughs) I asked for that event and boy, did I get it. Boy, did I experience something so powerful that it changed my life forever. And I still had stuff to learn after that. I still had to go through some more challenges and more healing and heartbreak because the divorce was imminent because I had been such an awful person in my marriage. And I mean, there were so many things I had to learn still after that anxiety explosion or whatever you want to call it. I call it an enlightening moment. I call it a mystical moment. And uh, there's so much more to that story. Like I said, I mean, I ended up getting a bus ticket home and during the, the trip home, which was like Hours and hours and hours. There was a Native American guy singing in the back. I mean, you can't ask for anything more spiritual or magical. It was just a phenomenal event. But again, I asked for it. and That's that's kind of what I'm saying in this little part of this uh, episode today. Is that uh, sometimes we avoid things that we don't want to face. We avoid... The challenges in life. We don't want to deal with them. We want to stay away from them. We don't want to endure such challenges. We don't want to cause ourselves to suffer. So we avoid the suffering. We avoid the challenges like that. So we don't have to suffer. But what I've learned is that the more challenges we avoid, the more we suffer. And the more I have avoided like the hard conversations I needed to have with people that I care about, the more I've avoided those conversations, the more I've suffered because I chose not to have the hard conversation, which kept whatever challenge I was dealing with inside me alive. I, I didn't get closure on the challenge. I didn't get closure on whatever it is I wanted to get out of my system. Because that's what happens is when we don't deal with the challenges and don't go through the hard stuff in life, we keep it, we keep it, we internalize it, we keep it with us and we walk around with it. And as we walk around with these unresolved challenges in our body, in our mind, we end up making decisions from a place of unfinished business, of non-closure. And when you're making decisions from a place where you don't have closure, you are more likely to make decisions out of fear. You're more likely to make decisions from a place of doubt and from a place of worry and suffering. And when you are making decisions from a place of suffering, you are more likely to make decisions that keep you in that place. And what I mean by that is just like I talked about the hard conversations that I forced myself to have after the experience in the desert, I had a lot more healing to do and a lot more quote wisdom to gain. And uh, I did that by allowing more challenges into my life. The day I decided to honor myself with my boss, knowing that I could get fired, at least that was my belief was the day I reached another new level inside and realized, hey, I could honor my boundaries with people that I deem as a danger to my well-being and survive and actually feel better and then let go of what, what I was holding on to, which frees my mind and clears my system of this negativity that I was walking around with. Imagine clearing your system of the negativity just by allowing the challenges to come up so you can face those challenges and get through those challenges. And then when you get to the other side of a challenge, you can look back and say, wow, I did it. I survived. And I know what some people might be thinking right now. I survived, but I made things worse. (laughs) I shouldn't have said anything. I shouldn't have done anything. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Oh, no, it only got worse. But did it? It's a dumb question, I know. It, yes, it did. Of course it did. Now he's even more angry with me and now my life is even more miserable. Yeah, but what happened inside you to get to that point to honor yourself in front of that person, for example? What happens inside you to get to the point where you decide to stand up and say, no, I'm not going to suffer anymore. No, I will not take this kind of behavior from you anymore. I don't want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to accept that kind of behavior and that kind of treatment from anyone in my life. I don't want it from you. I don't want it from that person. I don't want it from my mom or dad or my sister or my brother. I don't want it from anyone because I deserve better. I deserve to be treated better. Like I say on my other podcast, Love and Abuse, I deserve to be treated with respect and kindness. I deserve that. So when you don't do that, it makes me feel. Bad. It makes me feel unworthy. It makes me feel unlovable. It makes me feel like I don't matter to you. I want to matter. (laughs) I want to matter to you. I want to matter to other people. But if I don't matter to you, I don't want to sit around and accept this kind of treatment because I'm worth more than that. I am worthy of love and kindness and respect. I am worthy of being accepted for who I am. I am worthy of even being disagreed with but still loved. I want to be with someone or I want to be around people that love and support me for who I am, not for who they want me to be. That's what I want. And so when someone starts to mistreat me, I have to remind myself that I'm worthy of better treatment. I am worthy of it. When you drill that into yourself, when you own that, that you are worthy of better treatment, you won't ask yourself. You won't ask me. You won't ask anyone else. Well, how should I handle this situation? You won't need to because when you own it, when you own your own worth, it comes to you. Well, I'm worthy of better treatment. So, this is what I'm going to say Hey, you're not allowed to treat me like that. I don't deserve to be treated like that. I deserve respect. And so, if you continue to disrespect me, I'm not going to continue this conversation. That's it. I own my worth, I own my value, and I deserve to be treated better. And so, if you don't want to treat me better, that's fine. I accept you in the way you want to treat people. I I accept that about you. I accept you the way you are. And I have to acknowledge that that is the way you are. And if you don't want to accept me for who I am, I'll have to acknowledge and accept that too. Because I'm not here to change you. I'm here to value me. I'm here to value you. I'm here to honor myself. I'm here to honor you. But if you can't do the same in return, then I don't need to be here. Because the way I want you to feel is the way I want to feel. And I want you to feel good. I want you to feel like a million bucks. I want you to feel on top of the world. I want you to know that you are loved and that you are supported. I want that for you. So I want to be around someone who wants that for me too. I want to be with someone who can look at me and say, "Wow, you deserve happiness." And if I'm not making you happy, tell me what to do, because I want I want to make you happy. I want to be that person that brings joy into your life. Wow, I would love that. I would love that. Let's talk about it, because that's what I want for you too. I mean, I started talking about all this stuff thinking about the way I used to be, the changes I've made in my life and how I've gotten to the point where it's almost as if I'm demanding respect without demanding it. It's almost as if I'm demanding that others honor my boundaries without having to say a word. Because I feel it, I own it, I walk my talk and people see that, they recognize it. And they don't try to test me. Well, some people. (laughs) But when they do, I can confidently say, no, that's not going to happen. Reminds me of my stepfather. He, um, when I was talking to him long ago, he reached out to my mom. He reached out to me and he asked us for money. And this wasn't the kind of money that helps him pay for food or electricity or anything like that. It was money to invest in a scheme that he found online that uh, he he believed that we were going to make a lot of money on. And this is the time when I had already kind of eradicated him from my life. He was very toxic. He's still very toxic. I don't want anything to do with him. And so uh, he's basically gone from my life. And my mom, she had heard from him a few times and he's gone from her life too. And it's a whole different story, (laughs) but I won't get into, but he reached out many years ago and asked her and me for money. And I just laughed, you know, the scheme, first of all, and if he really did need help, there were so many other places that he was sending his money that I didn't feel good at all giving him any money because he sent it to all these places and scams. And I knew it would disappear. And when I answered, it was easy for me to say, no, that's not going to happen. Because I used to say, oh, you know, gee, uh, I don't have the money. I used to say something like that. That would be the old version of me. The old version of me didn't own my worth, that version lived in fear. I, I used to live in a fear of conflict. I did not want conflict. So I avoided it. I didn't want that challenge in my life, conflict. So I did everything I could to avoid it. Until I started introducing conflict, just by allowing conversations to happen and then choosing to respond with my truth. Your truth, it it can cause a lot of conflict. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I've noticed it. My truth can cause a lot of conflict. Because a lot of people don't want to hear the truth, especially people that uh, haven't been a part of your healing and growth. So, if you've gone through a lot of personal growth, personal development, a lot of healing, or whatever you've gone through, and you feel like you've improved and progressed, then uh, you reach out or talk to family members that haven't been a part of that or haven't necessarily either understood or even supported your growth, then they're going to be the same people typically. They always were. And they're going to see you as the same person you've always been. And who I was 25 years ago is not the same person I am today. I have a lot of the same qualities. I have the same sense of humor. I have the same uh, immaturity in some places, but who I was and how I handled conversations and challenges and conflicts back then is no longer who I am today. So it is always interesting when somebody you haven't talked to in a while tries to talk to you as you were. And that is the big challenge. That is the final frontier of testing what you have learned. Your test is to be around someone who you have history with especially lifelong history, your siblings, your parents, your relatives, all those people, and even friends of friends and cousins and all those other people, I guess they're relatives too, but all those people in your life that maybe haven't been a part of your healing and growth or haven't been witnessed to it, when they show up again, how do you show up? Do you show up as your old self trying to get through each moment or are you the new and improved version of you And you feel very comfortable being that. I think that's the end goal, being comfortable being the most improved, best version of yourself you can be. That's what I mean is that you're going to have conflict in your life, especially with people that have known you as you were. And when that conflict comes, can you be the new you or do you revert to the old you? And so I've gotten used to Dealing with conflict as the new me, because I wanted that challenge. I wanted to test myself. I wanted to put myself through the paces to make sure that not only can I embrace the new me, can I also be comfortable with the new me, but also to convey that I am this different person with these other people. This is who I am today. This is who I am and now you are you're talking to the new me and I love myself. I feel good about who I am and I'm going to show you how much I love myself by honoring myself with you. I'm going to honor myself. I'm going to stay in alignment with my values about what's important to me with you. This is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to give you the gift of who I am fully. I'm not going to hide behind fear, this is who I am. I'm going to give you the gift of who I am. Can you do the same for me? I'm not going to say those words, but this is how I feel inside. Okay, so this person shows up, and they may have some toxic thing to say to me, and who am I going to show up as? I'm sorry, that's not uh, respectful, and I'm not going to accept that as a part of my life. Do you want to have a respectful conversation? Would you like to talk about that? Would you like to clear this up right now? Because I would like to. I don't want to have this conversation every time and always have this fear come up that uh, it's going to ruin our time together. I don't want that to happen. And I don't think you want that to happen. So let's clear this up right now. If you need an apology from me, then I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry for whatever happened. I take responsibility for my role and whatever happened. And I just want to start fresh because I love you. I care about you. And I want us to have something special. I want us to have a good relationship. That's a very mature approach. (laughs) When you approach somebody like that and say something like that, it's very mature. Now, they may not be in that space. You've done your healing and growth. Have they? They may be upset. They may have a right to be upset. Maybe you did something so awful that they can't get over it. They have that right. Absolutely. I don't want to take that away from anyone. But can we talk about it? And if not, can we just move past it? And if not, maybe we shouldn't talk at all. That sounds extreme. But here's how I look at it. If every time we have the same conversation, it goes this badly and we can't get past it and it's always upsetting and it always leaves us feeling worse than we began, then maybe we shouldn't talk. Maybe we should just disconnect. And I don't mean it that final. I don't mean it that extreme. What I mean is there are times when we have to say, I love you and clearly we're not going to get past this. Again, I'm sorry for what I did or how I showed up then. I just want you to know that I care about you and I wish that we could get you know, beyond this. So if you are willing to look at this relationship the same way, wanting to get beyond this, then I would love to do that with you. I would love to work through this together. But if you're not in the same place I am, then I'll just have to accept that. I'll have to accept where you are and leave you be. And, and I'll, I'll let you go. And I, I wish you the best life possible. Again, I love you. And I just want you to be happy. And if you can't be that way, if you can't be comfortable around me, then I'm going to leave you be. Again, that's extreme. It doesn't always have to go that route. Sometimes there are things that need to be said that we don't want to say because we want to avoid conflict, but when we avoid conflict, what happens? Usually we continue whatever's going on and whatever's going on, if that feels bad, that feeling is going to continue. If you feel bad every time you see so-and-so, that feeling continues until you bring up the reasons that are causing the problems between you. What are the problems? Some things aren't resolvable. Some things aren't forgivable. Some things are way too difficult to talk about, but I think it helps to try. Because if you don't try, you continue whatever feelings and thoughts that you had before. They just linger. They just stay in your mind. They stay in your body. You feel it. You think it. And you move forward in time. Feeling the same way every time you talk to this person or do that thing you do together or whatever. Family reunions. (laughs) The big test. Hopefully that's not you. Hopefully you don't have these issues. But there's always someone that comes along that you might have a conflict with. There's always someone that comes along that has a problem with you. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're unworthy. It's just... A component of something bigger that they need to hash out with you, or maybe you did something that they didn't like and you didn't mean to, or maybe you meant to, but let's talk about it. It really does come back to knowing and owning your worth and knowing and owning that you deserve to be treated better. You deserve to be treated with respect. And if somebody can't do that, then making the decision to keep them out of your life. You know, you try to hash it out. You try to talk it out. You try to get through it and, you know, invite the challenge of the conflict of the conversation that you need to have. Try to get through it. But after you do that and it still doesn't work, then you may have to go your separate ways if you can. It's not always possible, but you do what you can. Comes back to Inviting the challenge into your life. And I know that's like, that could be terrible advice. What if you invite the challenge and it's a volatile situation and things get worse? Pick your battles wisely as always, but don't avoid battles that may not turn into a battle at all. I avoided so many quote battles in my life that weren't, they weren't battles at all. They were just hard conversations to have because I had so much fear inside of me. Fear of abandonment, fear of rejection, fear of being unloved, unliked, fear of being fired, fear of being uh, kicked to the curb by my partner, fear of whatever. Fear used to drive my life and now it doesn't. Doesn't mean I don't get afraid. Doesn't mean I don't have any fear at all. It just means that uh, I've gotten past the old fears and um, introduced bigger challenges because you could go around with the tiny challenges that you could probably get over and get past. But boy, when you don't, they run your life. And so I I went through a a lot of tiny challenges, got through them, survived them, realized I could survive and uh, got to a new place where I felt comfortable inside myself, where anxiety wasn't the primary reason I made decisions and uh, got to a new point where that really doesn't exist. And I feel for you if that exists inside you, I really do. And sometimes in order to get through what we fear, we have to bring that fear to the forefront and make it happen, introduce that challenge into your life. And what you learn are the tools that you need to get through other challenges like that. It's like when I first started honoring my boundaries, it was a lot easier to honor my boundaries later with other people. No, that's not acceptable. Yes, that's acceptable. You know, this is what goes on in my head. And um, being able to convey that without fear. And the more I learned that I could walk around without fear, the more happier I became. I'm not that highly energetic guy that I was in 2013, 2014. But now that I think about it, I'm 53. (laughs) How much energy do I still have when I was 43? You know, that's 10 years ago, at least as of this recording. Now I'm 53. Of course, my energy level is going to be different. I've settled into a, a new space inside myself. I feel better inside myself. But that's what happens. You get older and you shift your priorities and you shift your emotional state and you figure out that some things that used to be important aren't as important anymore and some things that you didn't find as important are the most important things in your life. For example, when I was in my teens and 20s, what was more important to me was my happiness. And then when I reached my 40s and 50s, other people's happiness was more important to me or is now more important to me. And that's probably one of the most important things I've ever learned in my life is that the pursuit of my own happiness, or at least the selfish pursuit of my own happiness, regardless of other people's feelings, was the very thing that kept me unhappy. The selfish pursuit of my own happiness, regardless of other people's feelings, was what kept me unhappy and as soon as I prioritized the happiness of others over myself that's when I started to understand what happiness was all about what I've learned is that the more you support someone else's path and decisions that make them happy the more they want to do the same for you so there's a little bit of selfish pursuit in there And I'm not saying that's the reason I do it. It actually makes me happy to see someone else happy. It makes me even happier knowing that I made them happy. And then to top it off, it makes me even happier than that when they do the same for me. It is the compound effect of wanting to see someone thrive and succeed and be happy that it comes back to you threefold. That's how I see it. It makes me happy to see someone else happy. It makes me happier knowing that I made them happy. And it makes me even happier when they want to do the same for me. That compound effect works. It really does. And In order for that to work in a situation where there are two people like, well, I want to feel that way. I want to feel that happy. But my partner or my brother or my dad, they don't do the same for me. But there are some people who aren't capable of doing it back. There are some people who don't want you to be happy. And I I hate to say that, but it's true. There are some people that don't want you to be happy. They want you to be who they want you to be. And if you don't show up like that, they will be unhappy. That is their selfish pursuit of happiness or power or whatever it is to them. And when you have people in your life that are on a selfish pursuit, you will not be happy with them. They may be happy with you once they get to control you, but you will not be happy with them or around them. And it's important for you to understand that uh, dichotomy because some people might listen to the show and they, they say, but I am supporting their happiness. I am supporting their decision. It makes me happy to see them happy and I would love for them to support me too. I would love for them to want to see me happy as well, but that is a missing component here. And when you have someone that doesn't reciprocate like that, then you can almost always attribute it to them not really wanting to see you happy. They just want to be happy themselves and they do it in a selfish way. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm not trying to pin blame or make anyone the bad guy here. I'm just saying that this is a really good formula to go with. It's a really good formula to figure out maybe why you're unhappy with someone if you are unhappy. Or at least um, have a conversation where you talk about this stuff. That might be a hard conversation to have. But sometimes you have to invite these challenges into your life so that you can get through them, get past them, and know that you've said your piece. Sometimes you have to get to the point where you know you've tried everything, and maybe there's nothing more you can do. I appreciate you. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank our patrons this week. Patrons of the week are Sally, Heather, Lisa, Lynn, Deborah, Tammy, Holly, Adriana, Sandra, Christy, Anna. Thank you all for your support. I'm very grateful, very grateful to all of you. I recognize all these names and I see new names every week, which always warms my heart. Thank you again, patrons. I appreciate all of you. If you value the show like these patrons do, then you can head over to moretob.com and there are ways to give back if you are inclined or in a position to do so. Thank you again, patrons. And if you want a show on how to navigate difficult relationships, head over to my other podcast called Love and Abuse over at loveandabuse.com. And if you know you're the difficult one in the relationship, join the program that is helping a lot of people heal over at HealedBeing.com. And finally, thanks to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. This episode was inspired by a couple emails that I received from um, people that are living with difficult people. The the difficult people, they're abusive people, or one of them is actually um, very ocd I guess he needs everything wiped and cleaned, and I don't think she can handle it too much longer because she can't keep up with his demands, and these all come back to basically what I was saying today, and I know I'm not answering these questions directly. I get hundreds of them, and I just don't have time to answer them all, but I wanted to let you know, the people who wrote, that uh, I am addressing what you're going through in this very episode, and I hope. You know where I'm taking you when it comes to what to do about the situation. When you live with somebody that is difficult or hurtful or abusive, it does really come back to what you want in your life and what you will and won't accept and tolerate because acceptance and tolerance come with boundaries and they come with identifying what you value, what's important to you. And then once you identify that, once you know yourself and you own what you know about yourself, meaning you value XYZ and you own that. This is what I want in my life. This is what's important to me. And then you also have your boundaries, which are what you will and won't accept in your life. And you identify those and you own those. I will not accept this behavior, these words, this treatment once you own that then what you need to say and what you need to do will be more clear may not be easy in fact it may be very difficult it may be impossible at least it seems impossible but this is how it begins it's to it really comes down to know thyself know thine own self and then becoming as unwavering as possible in being your authentic self owning who you are at the deepest level. And I know, again, this could be something that would be very difficult or even impossible to do. And I'm not saying that you just step into that and everything will work out. It it gets very hard. This is absolutely welcoming a challenge into your life. When you know yourself, when you know what you will and won't accept, when you know what's most important to you and you start prioritizing one thing over another, for example, I prioritize respect for me over someone else's selfish needs to put me down or make me feel bad. I prioritize that. That doesn't mean as soon as someone disrespects me, I immediately put them down or put them in their place. I certainly bring it up if need be, but you know, some battles aren't worth fighting, but when they're not worth fighting, I stop fighting them. I take the battle out of the picture. In the person's example, where she lives with somebody with um i guess it's contamination o c d where he needs everything wiped and he needs everything clean and spotless and sterile and it can become very difficult for someone to live with somebody like that. but what I've learned, and this isn't going to be pleasant to hear it will not be pleasant to hear for many people, maybe this person too, but what I've learned. Is that when you stand up for what's right for you and you stop tolerating behavior that is hurtful to you or abusive toward you or whatever it is that you can no longer tolerate. As soon as you stand up for yourself, I'm not saying against them. I'm saying stand up for yourself and you've decided that you're not going to take it anymore. I've seen this over and over and over again Probably 99% of the time, as soon as you stop tolerating it, it's like a a switch flips in the other person's mind. Like again, 99% of the time, a switch flips in the other person's mind where they finally understand that you will no longer accept it. So they better change or else. I'm very much simplifying it. I know I am, but I've seen this over and over again, especially in abusive relationships where the victim of the abuse says, I'm not going to take it anymore. I call it reaching a threshold. They reach their threshold and it's done. It's over. I'm not going to take it anymore. You better change or I'm leaving. And they may not use those words. They may just say, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. That's it. They may just say that. And what happens next is the person who won't tolerate it will either leave or end things or say, if you don't, take care of this, if you don't fix it, if you don't work on this, if you don't seek therapy or whatever you need, then I'm leaving. I mean, that's what can and often does happen. I'm not saying that this person who wrote in has to do this. I'm saying when you are clear in your mind what you will and won't accept, you're going to come up with the right words and you may just have to say, look, there's nothing more I can do. I've tried to accommodate. I've tried to appease. I've submitted to you. I've done everything you've asked and I can never make you happy. So I'm done. That's scary because that can trigger fears of abandonment, fears of rejection. And if that person's a people pleaser, that will certainly affect them and cause a huge challenge to appear in their life. And that challenge could be the end of the relationship or a brand new start. And that's the hardest part is that you don't know what you're going to get. But I do know what you're going to get if nothing changes. If you do nothing, they'll do nothing. I've seen that again, 99% of the time. Someone that um, you're trying to convince, you've got to change, you got to stop doing this. Is, I, I can't handle it anymore. I can't take it anymore. And they never change. They won't. They've seen you suffer. They've seen you hurt. They've seen you cry. They've seen, you know, whatever. They've seen you go through a lot of pain and they still haven't changed, which means you might have to take the next big step and welcome a challenge into your life that will definitely create a pivot that you may or may not be ready for, but there's a 99% chance that things will change. And in my experience, you either have a 0% chance of change if you do nothing at all because they won't change, or you have a 99% chance of change if you decide to put your foot down and decide not to take it anymore. And again, that doesn't mean you stand up to them. It just means you stand up for yourself. What do you need to do for you to get out of this situation? That might mean saying, you got to change or else, or I can't be around you when you're like this, so I'm leaving. Again, you don't have to use those words. You just have to remember this mindset, own who you are, be comfortable in your own skin, which that is a lot of self development work in the first place, I understand. But sometimes you have to get to that point because some people are so self engrossed and self involved and have a selfish pursuit of their own happiness that it's clear to you that they're not willing to support your path to happiness and would rather continue doing what they're doing, regardless of how you feel. And I definitely don't want that for you. Sorry, this isn't a magic pill show. (laughs) Sometimes you have to welcome these challenges so that you can move forward in life and stop walking around in the negativity that might be uh, lingering inside you or might be following you around and I definitely don't want that for you. Remember to always keep an open mind because that's how you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.